This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives here and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Would you like to do acrobatics? Sure. Excellent. Right now? Uh, Just in general. I mean... Do I, with getting to do acrobatics, also get to be, like, good enough at it to not injure myself? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that really affects whether or not one wants to do acrobatics. Yeah. Uh, I'll never ask that again. I'll only ask people, (laughs) do you want to do acrobatics well? Yeah. I mean, I'll do a cartwheel. I can do do cartwheels. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And, hey, if I could do, like, a walkover or handspring or something. What's uh, a walkover? It's... It's like a it's like when you either go forwards or backwards kind so in a handspring you like jump you stand on your feet and then a you jump start. and land on your hands and you like it's like you're a slinky. Okay. A human slinky. And the walkover version is you're standing on your feet, you don't jump, you like say you're doing a backwards one. You bend over backwards, your feet touch the ground and then you walk your legs like over. Your so hands of, touch the ground or your feet? Uh, well, both are. You're in a bridge position. You're in a bridge position. And, and then, then you kick your feet up and over like through a handstand position. Okay. So it's the same flow of movement as uh, like a back handspring. Okay. But instead of springing, you're walking. Okay. like It's a slinky going Quote. down the stairs backwards. It, it's like a, flat it's a slow slinky instead of <laughs> a springing slinky. Okay. So if anybody hasn't listened Maybe. to the podcast for a little while, <laughs> uh, I had decided to stop asking, how are you? Uh, to uh, my wonderful podcast partner, Sarah, and asking a random question. And I thought acrobatics would be a quick conversation at the top of the podcast, but it's even longer than talking about how we are. (laughs) Something new every week. (laughs) Something new every week. We've talked about penguins and clouds. Acrobatics just seemed appropriate. Uh, Perfect follow-up to penguins and clouds and appropriate for what we're going to obsess over on this episode. Uh, We are going to discuss the new movie, Black Widow. New is a weird word to use. The movie that should have come out a year and a half ago has been done in the can, as they used to say, for a very long time. But it is now released in theaters and on Disney Plus. If you want to pony up 30 bucks to see it on Disney Plus, we can all discuss it now and obsess over it is the point. Um, So uh, we're going to dive into this, but I wanted to start, as always, with our caveats Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, that we did only get to see the movie once. Sometimes when we've discussed the movies, uh, we'll we'll go see them once and just really let them wash over us. And then we'll go back and uh, watch them a second time a little bit more with a kind of uh, thoughtful, obsessive hats uh, on. But we just had time for one hat, one view. We've only seen the movie once. Do you have any other caveats that you wanted to share before we dive into the fun? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like that is the caveat. And okay. spoilers. That isn't really a caveat, but we're talking about the movie. Oh, no, so that's there will a be spoilers. Great caveat that I forgot about because sometimes people are like, yeah, just give me a general gist. Like, no, no. Uh, there's no general gist. There's the whole gist. <laughs> yep. We'll be talking about the whole movie. Uh, so I, I wanted to share the credits be- before we uh, got going. The whole thing. This is going to take 25 minutes and we'll read them all. <laughs> Even <laughs> yeah, the catering, everything. Uh, no, the writing credit is a story by Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson, screenplay by Eric Pearson, uh, that is kind of arbitration Hollywood speak for all of those people did drafts. Uh, 
in this particular instance. And I thought it was notable because uh, Jack Schaefer is the head writer for WandaVision. So mm-hmm. a person who has some uh, some MCU credits and uh, relevance to a lot of people who really enjoyed WandaVision. And then, of course, it is directed. The film is directed by Kate Shortland. So uh, before we get into the film itself, I wanted to discuss the theatrical experience. because mm. We actually went back out into the world and saw this in a large, dark room with other humans. <laughs> what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was it was so many things at once. I mean, I feel like uh, this is a thing I'm going to be saying a lot and other people will be too. But here's how it was for me is it was going back. It was that magic when you go back to a place you haven't been to, but it also feels comfortable and familiar. So it was both like, I haven't been here and yet I have been here. And then for us, um, we were at a different theater from where we often go to see movies and so there was also a little bit of that as well. Um, and then just the experience of like, yay, we're here. We're going to see a movie. There's a lot of people here. It's like a fun opening we've been looking forward to. And then we sat down and I did have a moment um, both in the sitting down, but then also during the movie of like, oh, wow, these are a lot. This is many more people than I've been in a room with in um, over over a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, because we would normally go to the Arclight Hollywood, which is uh, sadly uh, shuttered as of now. I still have hope. And that was definitely a weird thing for me that, like, uh, for a lot of people going back to the Arclight uh, Hollywood was a, and I'm sure similar for many people in, in specific theaters wherever you live, like, that was the sort of, like, we'll be back when I can walk there so and sit into the this theater and watch a film so there was a little bit of the weirdness of like we're back but not in the theater that we would normally go to for where we've seen every mcu movie since uh winter soldier right mm-hmm. um but we had the wonderful thrill of going to the Grauman's uh theater uh you know big famous very cool theater which is uh it was just great and weird it was so comfortable and weird at the same time yeah, <laughs> it was cozy the way being in somebody else's living room is cozy, like that you, that you don't, you know, somebody whose house you don't go to all the time. Yeah, it was like this is this is kind of familiar and kind of cozy and kind of nice, but I don't feel entirely comfortable yet. Yeah, you know, people with big living rooms, if that feels like a living room. <laughs> a very, very, you know, when you go to your very wealthy friend's living room. No, uh, I think the the uh, different uh, uh, reactions that I had is just Grauman's is cool and it's mm-hmm. great to see you know uh like there were literally people i saw that like i don't know that person but i know i've seen them on preview nights at arclight at mcu movies like mm-hmm. so there's a sense of community yeah um there were cosplayers which is great and fun mm-hmm. you know that Grauman's you know uh outdoor lobby area with all the the signatures and the cement is like that's just always just a cool weird fun place to be so it's like all this fun uh stimulus and then walking in and like smelling the popcorn was really powerful. And then uh, we had seats uh, way in the back so we could truly see the expanse of like, yeah, there's many, many humans in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, right now I think we're in a state of uh, a little bit of weirdness with um, a little bit of, I think, needing science to catch up. <laughs> Uh, to give us the the greatest recommendation of like I feel pretty safe w- with the vaccines that I have, but the Delta variant seems to be making some breakthrough, so I did want to keep my mask on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of what that like cozy and great and amazing, but a little bit of reservation. 
Yeah. Of like, I'm 99% sure that this is all great and fine, but I do feel like I should keep my mask on just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't help that my hair's grown out. And with my black mask, I look like I'm doing uh, half ass Winter Soldier cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but overall, it was a great experience for me. Um, the big IMAX theater, IMAX laser, and, you know, it was great to see a big movie with a, a ton of action, knowing we could have rented it at home and uh, probably would have been able to hear individual lines of dialogue a little bit better. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been the same experience as, like, seeing these massive action scenes on this massive screen. So on one hand, got, like, the glory of the theatrical experience. And then, like, two rows behind us, as you know, uh, there was a person snorting throughout the entire film. I'm not even going to imitate it. It's the kind of uh, snuffle snort that people do uh, instead of blowing their nose when they're lying to themselves about blowing their nose. They're just like, just go somewhere and blow your nose <laughs> because that, that uh, sucking of air up through your nose is not accomplishing anything except for being like a weird metronome of constant <laughs> snorting throughout the film. So it was like the entire theatrical experience of like, amazing huge screen bigger than any living room could possibly have uh and then also uh, other humans just doing their weird crap that you can't control yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it was i'm gonna also say magical with all of that <laughs> it was uh, a magical snort <laughs> the snort and just the like the murmur everyone's well of voices and are those in the lobby are the people near us having a I will say, at least where we were, you know, people were very respectful. But every once in a while, you're like, "Oh, this is," I really, 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 which I honestly, I, I do not mind if it's people just with short little asides. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's a sign of uh, people enjoying the film, and you know, or filling somebody in, and it, it would nobody was doing it constantly. Yeah, it seemed um, like there were a couple little MCU footnotes audibly being shared. Uh, yeah. When is this set? Who, who is that person? <laughs> Have we seen them before? Is that the guy from Stranger Things? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit of that. Yeah. But just to be back in, you know, that big, big dark box with other people and having this experience. And like you said, the getting to see it on the big screen and getting to hear uh, the powerful sound system and just all of that experience. It was it was really magical to get to see. Um, a film that way again, and I feel like really magical to get to see this film and, uh, you know, the next MCU film with that experience. Yeah, yeah, because if it was just a, a new film that was not connected to something else that people were excited for, that would have been cool too. But I think a part of what was powerful about it for me on the real positive side was the 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 bond that audiences have with MCU. Mm-hmm. Of We were looking around because we're seated in a different area than we normally sit at just the beauty of the theater. And then the uh, person did an introduction and, you know, really did the uh, like, we're so glad to have you back. We've been hosting people to see movies here for 94 years. And there's that real sense of continuity. As much as people gnash their teeth about the changes in storytelling, what hasn't changed is a bunch of people really want to get together in a big dark room and go on some sort of like storytelling journey together. And that connection of like, yep, MCU movies are dominant and it's a very big change uh, in the industry, Uh, but it's still tied to everything that has come before of this this desire in humans for shared storytelling and shared myths. And I think the biggest, uh, best part of the evening for me was 
when the Marvel logo teaser started to play that there was this huge applause and it was a, yeah, we're back at the movies, but it was like the people there for the most part are MCU fans, at least a huge chunk of them. And like, we've been watching this at home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We've seen this intro on WandaVision and on uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki, but now it's back big booming on the theater with a big group of people. And that was a really great uh, round of applause and woos join in on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So uh, with that, let's dive into the actual film itself. What was your just big picture reaction to Black Widow? Did you like it, love it, struggle with it? Are you obsessed? I have, uh, wow. Um, Two thumbs up is my, (laughs) uh, I really, really enjoyed it, um, is my big picture. Okay. Quick capture okay. response. Uh, you can you can capture longer if you want. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I'm happy to. I can I can talk lots about it. We'll find out. I just wanted to start with the title. Okay. I liked it. <laughs> Two thumbs up. I <laughs> liked it. <laughs> um, no, I mean I I really enjoyed it. It was fun because I had seen the original trailer back when it was supposed to come out, and then just had stay. I like to stay away from trailers, so and I hadn't seen any other trailers i just hadn't thought a lot about it or what the story would be um you know obviously could tell a few things about when it was set um as in not after endgame but (laughs) um but i just i really enjoyed the storytelling of it the action of it the settings of it um so many so many details yeah, okay. That's really interesting, too, of I have, for the most part, avoided uh, trailers because I, I kept getting little messages of, like, another sneak peek of, like, I don't want a sneak peek. I want to see the whole damn movie. <laughs> uh, but if you haven't watched the trailer since the first one, that would have been for Comic-Con. So you probably hadn't seen the trailer in two years because that would have been 2019. Yeah, I think I had seen, I think the trailer had played before other movies we had been to. Okay. So I think I'd seen the trailer in theaters, but it still, it was probably 2019. Yeah, so a long damn time. Uh, so for my short. Yeah, what's uh, your more than two word? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely uh, many thumbs, uh, uh, many finger digits up. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, I really, really liked it. It was, um, it was really this great mix of things, some of which is to be expected from MCU movies and some of some stuff that I thought was like really unique and different and great. You know, uh, I thought it was very funny. Uh, I thought there was truly great action. Uh, and I think sometimes the action we've seen so much action and superhero action in particular, that it is at risk of getting repetitive, but this action was really distinctive to the story of uh, Natasha and the world she lives in. This was mm-hmm. spy action. This was James Bond, Jason Bourne action melded with the great acrobatic, fluid, kinetic style of movement and fighting that is, you know, Natasha's signature mm-hmm. and the signature of most of the other people in her world. Uh, Red Guardian, perhaps not very flowing and acrobatic, <laughs> but almost everybody else. So and I thought there was just like real care taken with keeping the action surprising. Like I really loved that first, uh, one of the earlier set pieces 
uh, where Natasha and Yelena are escaping. You think, ah, it's going to be a motorbike chase because they're on a motorbike. Okay, no, uh, that's that's done right away, and they're in a car. Okay, it's going to be a car chase. Oh, the car's in the subway. It's a subway thing now. Like, it was great to kind of keep you on your toes so you didn't just get into, like, yes, I've seen many movies. This is a bike chase. They'll probably break here, and then they'll run into a thing. When are they going to crash into the fruit stand in the narrow alleyway? Because we've seen it. Like, mm-hmm. they avoided that stuff really well, and it kept it fresh and surprising and really visceral. Yeah. Like, a lot of the action was very, very visceral. Still mm-hmm. heightened. Like one would think Natasha would have broken many bones throughout this movie, but they, but they still, it was grounded within the world of superheroes. So it felt very visceral. Yeah. So there, there was that great, uh, reaction to the action. Um, this movie has been so long in coming of giving Black Widow and her specific world, uh, highlight. And I thought the film just did such a great job of just really, uh, creating a plot that, allowed Natasha to wrestle with the core issues that she's wrestled with throughout her journey in the MCU of uh, wanting to make things right, uh, wanting to to wrestle with what she's done in the past and and become a hero to counteract the things that she's done that she is not proud of. Um, This longing for belonging or family, um, having a real focus on... uh, free will and agency as somebody who feels like hers was taken away mm-hmm. and then she works for different institutions that keep disappointing her and really wanting to have a handle on what her life is like these were all things that were at stake uh, with her character anyway and then that they were all what the movie was about made it really really powerful um and then i think the the we're going to dive into like all the big themes and ideas but the last thing that it really really grabbed me about this movie and it felt different is obviously there are issues of representation around this movie. It took forever for Black Widow to get a solo film. And I was fascinated that it totally worked in the context of the film, in my mind, to have this be kind of a story about representation within the fantasy world of the MCU. All of those moments where it was pointed out her fame as an Avenger Hmm. and the fact that she was a person in the fantasy world of MCU that because she was an Avenger that girls looked up to her. So it was in some ways it was about representation and some of those personal needs of Natasha to say, I want to be a hero. I want to make things right. That personal journey was sort of married with this idea of the importance of representation. Mm -hmm. So those are just a few of the big picture things that I like. Yeah. Any any thoughts or reactions uh, to any of that? Uh, many. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and I, I know we're going to get more into to detail, but I think those are some great the- thematic points, and I think that you should have them written out here for both of us to look at <laughs> as, <laughs> as we're talking about this. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to be able to refer back to them, but I'm not going to remember uh, some of the lovely points that you've just made. Okay, fair um, enough. So, but, I mean, I do. All of the, I think, the representation, the idea of family, um, that idea of of agency and who is she and who does she get to be and when does she have choice? And I love what you said about um, uh, institutions or other groups letting her down. Yeah. Uh, Because I think, I think we really see that, but I feel like that's a very 
specific distinction that should be made. And I, I think that's such a great point. And seeing where some of that comes from, um, you know, and down to some of the, the little details of, you know, her not wanting to leave that original, not original, but li- the life that we see at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, and instantly also having to take, um, take over and, you know, fly a plane. Uh, you know so it's just it's so it's so interesting I think feel like they did such a good job of setting up what we know of Natasha with some of these opening scenes uh, yeah. which uh sorry I'm kind of getting into yeah. specifics there and that's fine. but I feel like that's uh was really really well done and I feel like sets up a lot of the themes that then are carried throughout the film um and I also do want to talk more about the action sequences. Oh, good, good. Whether now or later. Yes, but. no, we'll have an action section. Okay, I, uh, I assumed, I, so uh, I didn't go heavy on the action <laughs> in my overview, but uh, let me not let it not be said that I don't have many things to say about the action. Excellent. I lost control a little bit and got too excited about <laughs> the action because I really liked the way it was constructed. I love what you're saying about the film reminding us very much at the beginning uh, that she has had this sort of level of uh, responsibility and competency from very young because of what she was trained to be and to do. And that's just such a great contrast. Imagine, you know, just kind of putting yourself in Natasha in many of these other characters, many of the other uh, widows' position of, like, you are immensely competent. You have incredible skills, and somebody else chooses how you use them. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful, you know? Um, and I, and I do want to be sure to talk about that right at the, uh, at the top. It's too late for at the top, but close to the top. Um, so we're going to get into a lot of the big picture ideas, but one of the things that the film is not subtle about at all, it's, it is not subtext. (laughs) It is the plot, uh, the bad guy, uh, Drakoff, who has been in charge of this red room program for a long time. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says and thinks that girls are a natural resource that he should control for his own power and ego. That is uh, a visceral and unflinching in the way the film presents that. Mm-hmm. Um, those scenes early on with th- those boxcars full of, of girls and young women screaming and all the pictures of the women that he has you know, uh, sequestered across the world, it, it doesn't back away from that. And he says something that, that visceral and that awful. I I want to know how that affected you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, I was going to say horribly, uh, which I think is the right response. Um, yeah, this the scene toward the end when he has his big screen and you've got all the all the girls everywhere. And he does say, you know, these are a national or natural resource that I need to use because that's what they're for, there for was just viscerally um, horrible. I mean, I just, I'm, I can feel the way I feel and I'm having a hard time putting it towards, so I'm trying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it did a very good job of showing, showing the mentality that the Red Room was created under, where these people are nothing, they're not people to him, they are assets. Mm-hmm. And they could be people, they could be bullets, they could be, you know, teddy bears. It, it doesn't matter what the object is to him. Yeah, they're apps on a, literally he's got a pad controlling them, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm, you know, including terminating them when they get injured. Um, so seeing that absolute lack of humanity and in such a cruel way, I think that's that's the word I've been looking for. Not a hard word, <laughs> but just the absolute 
cruelty and inhumanity of it was um, done really well. Yeah. And let me ask you one other question about him and that main plot. Uh, there's definitely like signifiers throughout the film about uh, ideology of the West and Russia. But on that one viewing, I kind of felt like some of that had just sort of fallen away from this guy that he might have started with some sort of either bullshit uh, to himself or, or bullshitting other people like Red Guardian that he was acting under any specific national ideology. But by the time we're catching up with him, he's just got his own little castle in the sky and it is totally about the ego of this one person who thinks he should hold the power over the world that he should decide which governments fall with his, you know, oh, horrific, yeah. uh, cruel resource uh, of girls with their agency stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like that? Did you, <laughs> that's <a weird laughs> thing. Uh, what I'm asking about specifically is, did you feel like that any sort of national ideology was stripped away and was just about this guy? Oh, I feel like it had totally become just about this guy. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, maybe he had some element of it, whether he believed it or clung to it, or it was so rote in his mind and actions at this point that he didn't think about it. But I feel like he was building his his control, his power. It wasn't about an ideology Yeah, at this point, other than the ideology of look at the power that I can control from my tower in the sky where nobody can touch me. Yeah. And I mean, and, and there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, they, the MCU is, you know, trying to maybe not make a bunch of political statements. I don't know. I, I guess for me, it, the value of it was culture matters, ideology matters, national politics matter. Of course, all these things do matter, but also just kind of telling this heightened story of any ideology can become corrupted into just like, the greed and the power demands of an ego, right? Like any, any system can be corrupted by somebody at the center of it who believes they should have all the power. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like we get that with, um, you know, like uh, here and there, maybe, maybe not with red guardian, um, of like, to a certain extent, still believing in the ideology of like, let me do something. Let me, you know, use my skills and believe in this, um, as opposed to, uh, what's his name in the sky? I'm I'm sorry, I don't. Drakoff. Drakoff. Thank yeah. you. I knew I was going to get the few of the letters wrong. Um, of just his, I feel like, yeah, I feel like for him, it was that point of, I don't remember who said it. The absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like that is a to me a very good example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it, Red Guardian had that kind of comic monologue that he kept trying, kept thinking he was successfully delivering to Natalia, uh, to Natasha, mm-hmm. um, about uh, how he was originally thought he was doing this for ideology and he'd been suckered, but, you know, but there's clearly some ego stuff going on with him as well. The, yes. That um, so let's dive into this big uh, idea that is really like what moves the plot of agency and free will. So uh, we, of course, learn that Natasha and all the Black Widows uh, are controlled by uh, one power-mad asshole. Uh, I think Taskmaster is a fascinating villain to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will uh, caveat that I I remember Taskmaster from the comics when I read him way back in the day, and and I like him and uh, like the character. I thought he was a cool and frightening villain. Uh, Taskmaster in this movie is different than he is in the comics and some people don't like that 
opinions are opinions and that's fine but uh i i'm not going to dive into any sort of taskmaster controversy i just want to engage with the one that was in the film um and uh i love the way taskmaster fit in because that that ability of i am going to kind of take your abilities not and i'm not literally going to take them from you but i am going to add them to myself so it is kind of an identity theft Mm -hmm. of like i can do Everything that you can do, I can do. Everything that your friends can do, I am taking what was individual or unique or creative about the way that you fought or processed <laughs> conflict and just take that from you and mm-hmm. make it kind of mechanical. It's a rote skill. So that was sort of uh, Taskmaster represents to me also a little bit of a loss of individuality, if not agency. Um, I, there's a great uh, cycle going on with Natasha and her uh, her Ohio mom, <laughs> Melina of uh inspiring one another to believe that they have choice uh that's a really nice moment where natasha convinced says to her like just because you were born in a cage doesn't mean you need to stay there that's very much a a a a discussion of free will um i really like this story that red guardian is making choices mostly out of vanity and uh claiming (laughs) ideology but eventually that that joke speech is a real speech that he's trying to get to Natasha and say, like, I, I realize I have a choice and I need to make a better one. Mm-hmm. So there's so much going on uh, that's about agency and free will. How does that live in your mind when you see a movie like this? Does it make you think about what does it mean to have agency or free will? What does it mean to lose it? How does that sit with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, in so many different ways, because I think there's I like to think about it within the story itself because it's a thing that we have seen come up um, frequently with uh, Natasha and other characters within the MCU. Um, And this is where I give my always caveat uh, that I am not a big reader of the comic books. So my opinions are entirely based on the films. (laughs) So just for that clarification, Uh, not even caveat, clarification. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think for myself, I definitely, I think, I don't even think I know that it. Um, I I I know for myself when I left the movie yesterday, there were certainly things where it's like, well, but what what would I want, or what do I want, and what about this, and you know, how would how would I, or how would people respond in different scenarios? Not exactly like mirroring the film, but I I feel like it's hard to walk away from something like that where it is so prevalent and you see people that have their choice taken away from them um and then get it back and then also how do you know what to do with it if you haven't had it like that's actually one of the scenes that really stuck with me is when the um the group of widows were um set the red dust was Mm -hmm. set off near them and they said what do we do now and i i believe it was natasha said you get to decide live your lives and there was a sense the way that I interpreted it of, okay, but what does that mean? Yeah. Because if you haven't had that and you, I, who knows, but with this mind control, you also don't even know that you haven't had that. I mean, that's just such a, an absolutely changing your framing of the world uh, that it's a really interesting 
rabbit hole to dive into and think about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really agree with you. I was really affected by it because obviously it is something that happens in the real world where, where people's agency is taken away and Mm -hmm. the horror of that perspective of, of kind of a, turning it into this machine of doing it to, to young women in particular. It's all, it's awful. Right. And it, and it, it has this visceral power because uh, I think just on like a deep uh, human level, on a cultural level, that's wrong. It's wrong to take somebody's agency away, you know, and we feel that. And then this movie did do a good job of kind of taking the next step and like, but wh- like I, I kind of walked out of the film going, that's so great. That's so empowering. I'm really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that I have a lot of agency. Right? What am I doing with my agency? <laughs> like I had a li- it gave me a little bit I mean it's a really weird stressful time for everyone in the world so I think I'm extra feeling that like there's only there's some things I can't control. What can I control? What should I do? What choice should I be making in big picture ways and almost day-to-day ways? And I liked that the film made me feel that. Yeah. The, oh, and the I was right gift there with of you. choice, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I was right there with you last night like but what have I, I haven't done enough. I have these choices and I didn't have them taken away from me. What did I do? Why did I not make better choices or different choices or more choices? Yeah. Well, let's give ourselves some time like Natasha, because I really <laughs> like your point. That was really powerful. And they were like, there's, it's a joy to be free. But then it was, yeah, okay. And, and uh, what I really love about this, I wanted to talk about how that, how important that uh, this idea of, uh, of agency and free will has been to N- Natasha's journey. And I love that there's that scene with the widows like, cool, great. Uh, tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. But even Yelena kind of went through that when she got free of that extra uh, layer of programming of taking yeah. over her brain. Where she's like, uh, send it to my kind of sister who's a superhero. Send the problem to her and she'll take care of it because uh, I have all these skills and all this competency, but I haven't had this experience. Mm-hmm. And then I think from Natasha's perspective, this film does goes deep into like how desperate she was she was to get away from the Red Room. Yeah. That she was willing to do something as awful as set off the bomb with the child inside in order to prove her worth to S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And, and to go work for another organization. In an organization that in theory is better and and doing better things, but still baby steps towards grabbing that free will of her own, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you walk through her journey through meeting the Avengers uh, you know, really getting an opportunity to be a hero and make a difference. She's the one who closes the portal in New York, right? She made a huge difference. Right. Um, and then you get to that, I think what a, a key moment for Natasha that I think can sometimes be overlooked in uh, Winter Soldier that she's uh, going with Steve on the like, it has to all be torn down, not just Hydra, but S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's the, the system's been broken, even though, you know, Fury might have meant well. But it's been broken. And then she takes, I think, this big, big free will step to say, I'm going to just publish all the secrets. I'm going to not be hiding anymore. I'm a spy. I'm trained to not be seen. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go sit in front of a you know, a Senate committee and tell them, yes, this is exactly who I am. I've spilled all my secrets. I've spilled all your secrets. That seems to me a moment where she's really like, okay, I am going to fully take the reins. Mm. And I think that dovetails with her kind of love of the Avengers is like when she's done with shield, once she's dumped the information, then when she's, she's working with the Avengers, she's really making her, her choices, you know? Yeah, that's a really great point. And I am in the group of people who hadn't really followed that exact progression um, of specifically kind of her reaction when it's part of shield. um, And then versus when, 
she is with the Avengers making decisions. Sometimes together, sometimes they're not making decisions together. Um, but yeah, that's a really great distinction. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of uh, of kind of moving forward, uh, you got free will and you got to find a way to keep using it. <laughs> if you have agency, you use it to move forward. There's this uh, little through line in the film uh, where we see uh, Natasha's uh, Ohio mom give the advice to young Yelena that your pain only makes you stronger. When the family reconnects, Natasha says, that really helped me. That what you told me when I was a kid and what I heard you tell my my sister Mm -hmm. helped me keep moving forward. What does that mean to you? That message that your pain only makes you stronger. Um, I, it is one that in life, I, I do agree. I mean, I, no need to go seeking out pain, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just to be clear. And, um, you know, like life is not equally dished out. Pain is not equally dished out. Some people have more pain, uh, I think in their lives than others. Uh, so I'm not trying to be glib, but I do think that there is a lot of that, that, um, I think it's one of those interesting sayings that can absolutely be weaponized mm-hmm. um, and has been many times in many ways, but also comes from a nugget of truth that you become a stronger, can, you have the potential to become a stronger person to better know yourself, to maybe better know when and how to take those little moments of your own personal agency Um when you have it not near you or when you have it taken away from you. Um, and so I feel that there is like, you know, like your, your inner core strength, I think can get stronger. Yeah. Um, and I think it for this, that, you know, that's kind of, uh, non MCU, I think within MCU and for Natasha, it absolutely makes sense and is, is part of what we have been seeing the entire time about, um, this portrayal of black widow. Yeah. Is we see we see her with this very strong inner core. Uh literally and, <laughs> and acrobatically and emotionally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then I but we see it being tested and we see it being tested from the outside, we see it being tested from some of her own memories, we see her dealing with some of these things. But I feel like the overarching one of the overarching comments that you could see floating above it, if it were a comic, is um, and it's her finding her own strength from that pain. It's not, you know, somebody hitting her when she's in pain, being like, find your strength, find your strength. (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like is the example of that from, for example, the Red Room. Right. The no pain, no gain. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and this is. You know, I th- maybe this is a, a weird connection, but you think of it with, um, you know, in I, one of the movies, she has the flashbacks to the ballet lessons that Age of Ultron, yeah. goes on. And uh, I can say from my own ballet experience, I remember taking a ballet workshop where, you know, th- we had a guest instructor for a class and he wanted us all to be in a perfect first position, which is where your heels are together and your feet are turned out. And, uh, you know, you have to be really careful about how you do it because it can really mess up your knees and your, your hips. Uh, but he didn't care. He wanted perfect first. And, uh, I don't think taught more than this once. It was a a summer program. This was not my regular teacher. Uh, And he came around and, and he, um, kicked everybody's heels. Oh my God. With with his foot until they were in a flat line. 
Uh, and he did not say no pain, no gain, but that was basically what he was implying as he went around and like physically forced you to do that. Um, and so it, that's just something that kind of flew into my mind. But that to me is an example of uh, a much lesser example of what you would have experienced in the Red Room. Right. But where it's really being forced on you. Right. As opposed to choosing to take the the lessons or the strength from the pain that you have been forced to endure. Yeah, yeah. So it comes back to choice again, honestly, for me. Yeah, I think I love what you're saying because I think there is this dark side of it of like the no pain, no gain, force yourself, you know, it, to, yeah, it, it, and and from a controlling perspective, like you're describing in real life, that's awful. But I think in the context of the film, it really became this question about like, Natasha, you are relentless. And no matter how many plate glass windows you get thrown through, <laughs> you get up and just keep coming. How do you do that? How do you not give in to the pain? Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, I think the film is meaning pain, both emotional and, and physical. Uh, and to me, it just really becomes about not giving in to fear, you know, mm-hmm. and not allowing, you know, uh, emotional pain to control you mm-hmm. like you're saying about choice of like even down to like the the sort of domestic scene where we see it is Yelena's enjoying playing and she falls down and she has that moment where she's not going to get up because she got hurt mm. and that's when we first hear this little uh bit of wisdom of you know you choose you you keep you know you get back up if you want to mm-hmm. and you this pain can stop you or you can get up and and keep going and I think that was the spirit of it is Natasha taking that on as a mantra to allow herself to make her choices and keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about family then. Yeah. Uh, So Natasha has this found family of the Avengers, which she talks about. Uh, That's a a memorable line from uh, Endgame. Uh, we're coming off of Civil War where the, the family had some issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's the joke about, I heard the Avengers got a divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we learned that she had this fake Ohio family that she knew was fake. Uh, and she kind of wrote off as fake. Uh, but then through the journey of this movie discovers, they all get to discover from one another that there was real connection there and that they were a real family and got real things from one another that, that helped propel them forward in life. Uh and then there's that great scene where she learns about the spirit of her actual mother mm-hmm. and has gone all this time thinking that she was just abandoned. And then yeah. the, that great gift of uh, her Ohio mom, um, Melina, saying, no, your your real mother was like you. She was, she didn't want to give you up. She was relentless trying to get you back. So all these great ideas of family. Why do you think it's so important to this character of, Natasha to have family like obviously we all want to feel belonging and feel love and feel support and and feel like we're not alone why is it so central to the character of Natasha and her journey do you think oh well I mean I think um who knows I, I don't know what at what age she found out or was told that her fake family I don't know if she had a different fake family before this fake family um but that that idea that um that she didn't have a family and then she kind of got to play play pretend and for her it was it was real or it felt real she let herself think it was real um and then to be taken away from that at such a young age i think it's um 
makes a lot of sense that then she would be both searching for it and I think also feel possibly a little bit abandoned by her family, both from having to leave this life that she liked in Ohio and then to have both of the girls be injected and taken away right after they left. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like they then went to Russia with their family. Right. It was that then then she went to this other family, which um, I don't know, but it seems like the the idea in the Red Room was very much competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like maybe sometimes you rely on each other when you have to, but you also don't entirely ever trust anybody or let your guard down. So, you know, when she's had that for so long... Um, and has fought so hard to join S.H.I.E.L.D. and prove her worth and join the Avengers, um, I think it makes a lot of sense that she would be searching for that feeling of belonging. Yeah, I think that that great scene at the beginning really kind of ties together a lot of moments and relationships for Natasha in a really beautiful way that, like, you know, if she was, she's obviously very young, but still was aware, like, on, like, Elena, that I'm an agent and we're play acting, but I'm getting all these things. And, you know, having that young childhood memory of this is what it felt like to have belonging and trust and support. And now that it is ripped away from me, I can never have it. Uh, I I have this awful hysterectomy that this movie really doubles down on that that is the thing that happened to all the widows. Mm -hmm. Um, Can't create one of my own. And then kind of starts to to form them a little bit right she clearly has a familial relationship with uh with clint with hawkeye mm-hmm. in a relationship with his family where she's aunt nat right right uh so she kind of dances a little closer to it and then really builds trust with uh steve rogers in both ways in winter soldier right and then only grows what the this family of the avengers means to her but it's still not quite what that memory was in Ohio, right? Mm. Or, or at least maybe uh, it isn't yet or couldn't quite be. Yeah. Uh, that there's a part of her that I think maybe even if she has, I think this is what I'm trying to say is even if she is experiencing true found family yeah. with the Avengers that she's not quite letting herself believe it and appreciate it and feel it. Yes, I think that that seems very true. And maybe partly because she still has some feelings of, some questions or I don't know if she has guilt about her sister, but kind of uh, things that are stones left unturned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think about the end of the film along that line where she has uh, rebonded with this, this family and has that great line about, I I didn't think I had any family, but it turns out I have two. I have this one in there. We're all good (laughs) Mm. Uh, for now. And uh, I have this other one and I'm going to make this really, instead of just hiding out, I'm going to make this real proactive choice and I'm going to help my, my Avengers family is not doing well and they need my help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you think of that choice and that ending for her? Did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like it, it kind of sets her up for where we see her um, after this. Um, and even to a certain extent before this, uh, she is one of the Avengers that, um, and shield agents um, before that, that does. Um, she is one of the ones who puts in the work to keep them together. Yeah. 
And I feel like at different times, different people put in the work, but she was consistently one of the people who puts in the work. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really solidly there at the end of Age of Ultron when Tony has kind of left the Avengers for now. Thor has gone on a search for the uh, the, the Infinity Stones. Uh, the Hulk has flown away. And her and Steve are still there mm-hmm. in in the new compound. And they're gathering that new team of Avengers. And she's really like right there of like, this is this is mine too and and we're making this happen yeah i really love that it it um i think it elevates uh natasha in a way uh that she hadn't been in the previous storytelling i think works really well i think like the end of civil war still works great because it is the end it's the final film in the captain america you know trilogy Mm -hmm. but we see that scene right at the end the last shot is he's coming for his friends who are locked up on the raft Mm -hmm. but the way I interpreted this ending was uh, a bunch of people are locked up in the raft. Uh, Steve's out there on the lamb somewhere at the beginning of this movie. Natasha intends to just be in hiding too. Cause what do you, what do you, what can you do? Families fall apart. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, she's like, no, I got this Quinjet. I'm going to go find Steve. And then Steve and I go get the people at the raft. And it just, it gives her a ton of agency in that great moment at the end of Civil War that like she's the one who got Steve to the raft, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be because I like the way this film ends with her saying like, no, nah, I got some friends I need to get out of prison. So I'll go find Steve and we'll do it together. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Very powerful. Let's talk about fame. <laughs> <laughs> if you're up for that fame and its responsibility. Uh, so Natasha being in a venture and being extremely recognizable and everybody having opinions about what it means to be an Avenger was just a huge part of this movie. And I loved it. Uh, Natasha is uh, directly called out uh, by Elena and other people as like being on the cover of magazines and being a role model uh, to girls. Um, Alexi, uh, Red Guardian, is obsessed with the fame of Captain America (laughs) as well as his own as the Red Guardian, like playing with that doll of himself. And he just it just seems like he wanted the notoriety. He wanted the fame uh, of being a superhero. Um, I even think fame is how one of the great ways that uh, Natasha manipulates uh, the big bad of Drakoff by saying, you're nothing. I've I've fought big, big people. I'm a famous Avenger and you're just this guy hiding in the shadows, which is kind of, you know, drawing him out by saying, well, you're not famous, you know, you're just hiding in the shadows, you know, that that makes you, not being famous makes you not important. And in this way that we know she's very skilled at, that's what successfully goads him into revealing his plan mm-hmm. by touching this nerve of like, sure, you have a lot of power and you take a lot of people's agency and you got an app that controls everybody. And, you know, I allegedly can't hurt you because I can't because of the pheromones and you figured it all out. But you're not famous. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, here's my master plan. <laughs> like she breaks him on that on that point, yeah. uh, which I think is another way to really play that that fame angle. Did that theme of of fame and the responsibilities of fame resonate with you? Is that a part of the movie that you thought about when we walked out? Um, not as much as some of the others, but I did really like how it was discussed within the film. Um, and in particular, how, uh, her other family members and how other people who have not been around her as an Avenger, but now when she's back are like, you're an Avenger. Get get these other people to help you with this. Like what you came by yourself, you know. Get your friends and and every everything that you just said, from the being a role model to 
um, you know, the great poke by her sister of, you know, why do you do the head thing? <laughs> the the pose thing is hilarious, it's right? Beautiful. Just beautiful. And yeah. Um, yeah. So I really liked how that it was included as part of the film and how it was addressed. And I feel like it it added a richness uh, to the story and it felt like it belonged there. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that makes MCU special is that uh, that everybody in the world kind of they'll, they'll maybe have some like uh, misconceptions about specific events, but it seems like everything that the Avengers do is like documented. There's, you know, there are documentaries, there are action figures, there are T-shirts like it's this great journey where all the characters in the world know what we the audience know, like they might have a few of the details wrong. But I think that makes it so that the film is kind of about our relationship with these characters, too. And that's mm-hmm. that, where, that moment where it became meta, because, you know, uh, Natasha's kind of lecturing Elena about, I wanted to be something more than just a hired killer. Mm-hmm. And Elena's like, cool, you're a hired killer that girls look up to. Uh, how, how does that conflict <laughs> sit with you? Right. And, like, and that could be said at a marketing meeting about Black Widow, right? In mm-hmm. the real world. So there's this great sort of synergy where the character has to wrestle with almost the way the character sits in our real world pop culture, you know, and in that dovetails really well, because I think Natasha leans into it, not, not the fame of, uh, not the ego part of it, not the dark side of fame, Mm -hmm. but the like, yes, I am going to, I want to do right for myself. And I will set a better example for anybody who might be looking my way, my sister or these widows or some, random kid who sees me on television i'm really gonna set this example by doing what i think is right and by being a hero and that's Mm -hmm. how i can give back yeah yeah absolutely yeah i thought that was really uh really great if you were a famous superhero uh what would you do with your your power and your notoriety (laughs) well i mean i i would like to think that i would be trying to do things for good trying to (laughs) help people um, and try to be a good example. How are those for good, vague generalities? I think those are great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, no, I would, I would, if I were a famous superhero, uh, I was going to say I would do a lot of PSAs, but I don't think people would take those seriously. I think, I, I don't know. I think like Black Widow has the best answer of, uh, just keep on being you. And then if that's what, if, if your actions are going to be known, around the world all the more reason to just try to be the best version of yourself and you know make the best choices you can right mm-hmm. yeah uh i would also uh, maybe uh, like specifically try to do some environment stuff because yeah. anytime uh, we talk about talking. what's right in the world you you uh, are very wise to be concerned about the climate crisis you know that's what i'm actually thinking over here <laughs> i would be like breathing on the ocean to try to cool it down a little bit that like half a degree celsius and yeah. then maybe like try to get yeah anyway. yeah it would not have fit into this film but when the widows all asked what do we do now uh natasha could have said the climate is in real danger Let's- emergency emergency <laughs> yeah um uh, final big theme, big idea I wanted to talk about is uh, redemption. So obviously Natasha wants to make things right. Uh, being a killer in general, her debt to Clint Hawkeye Barton has been a part of her her story, including I think up to the end there in in Vormir. Yeah. Um, the uh, her injuring uh, Anatonia uh, Drakoff, who is the young girl who becomes Taskmaster, uh, is I think huge 
part of her story that that I think the film does really really well mm-hmm. um the not going back for Yelena once uh she herself was out all that kind of stuff uh is all Natasha wrestling with uh, different things to set right um Yelena is also really I think dedicated to freeing the other widows and makes uh that big sacrifice at the end where unless uh Natasha rescued her she was she was going to die to make sure that Drakeoff was dead mm-hmm. you know so there's a lot going on about redemption um, do you think that that uh, Natasha achieves uh, redemption or setting things right in this film? Um, hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think redemption is complicated. But I think uh, by doing what we were just talking about of trying to trying to do right. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, philosophically, I haven't thought a lot about my thoughts about redemption. (laughs) Um, But I think by trying to be aware of what she's done for, to her, no, like being a hired killer, not her choices, not helpful. (laughs) Um, And instead trying to do things, which does sometimes include killing people. Like she tried to kill Dracov. She did thought she killed his daughter. Um, but trying to trying to do things for the right reasons, like you're saying, trying to know that everything will be amplified and trying to really do everything that she can so that the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I th- I end up talking about redemption a lot uh, for Star Wars. Hey, I bet you do. Because <laughs> redemption's a word that gets thrown around because it's the it's the word that we have. Uh, but then you end up in these conversations where like, was Darth Vader redeemed because he was a monster who slaughtered people and then he did one good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> right at the end there, and it's not like thumbs up Vader. Uh, so sometimes people push back on uh, on redemption. Thumbs up Anakin at that point. And some of the, uh, when you dive deeper into Star Wars, a lot of the intent, I think, gets gets misconstrued with that word redemption. Mm-hmm. And I think it is more this idea that it is never too late to make a better choice. Mm-hmm. And there is a, such a power and a grace in trying to give someone the chance to make a better choice. And I think that is what so came together uh, from Natasha's story for me in this film, that her, that uh, conversation that she has with Loki in the first Avengers film, she makes it clear that the bond with Hawkeye is that, that he was sent to kill her and he made a different choice. He gave her a chance Mm -hmm. to make a better choice. And she did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we realize that there's darkness and complexity of that that she was so desperate for that freedom for that chance that she did the worst thing that she could do from her perspective which is hurt a young innocent kid mm-hmm. uh and i think it it recenters natasha so these some of these like i got red in my ledger is it's not ambiguous it's not like she did mysterious spy stuff it's really personal mm-hmm. it's about what happened with with her agency being taken away for sure but also specifically like i chose to set off the bomb with this kid in here mm-hmm. so the fact that the that the the real kind of final moment of victory for natasha is i am going to try to give to antonia what was given to me which is a chance yeah to stop fighting a chance to to do something different and i think you know 
leaving the redemption word out of it, <laughs> it's just a really beautiful moment of Natasha being like, I'm not killing. I'm not fighting. I'm not even trying to like knock you out so I can get away. I'm just trying to give you what other people gave me, which is a chance. And it's what I owe you after what I did to you, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know if this is what you're talking about specifically with Antonio, but the opening of the door. Yeah. Um, which I love that scene of her seeing um, Antonio, you know, still behind the glass. Everything's about to crash and kind of going, I know this might be a bad answer for my future, but it's the right thing to do in the moment. So therefore I have to do this because I need to give you a chance like you were just saying. Yeah. Um, and then getting to fully give her a chance, you know, with the the red dust later. But yeah, I, I like that. And I mean, I, I guess um, I think I've not spent as much time talking about redemption as you have. <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of um, that idea that it's never it's never too late. And it's, you know, actions are both about cumulative actions, but it's also about what are the actions that people are seeing you do now? Yeah. You know, whether it's just while you're, you know, doing something and little kids are seeing you and looking up to you on the street, you know, for uh, Black Widow being the, you know, person that little girls are admiring, as her sister says, or whether it's something that people are being looked at later in their lives of like, you know, people are mixed bag. But I think that idea of in the moment, what choice are you making? Yeah. Are you making a choice for giving somebody else a chance or helping somebody or doing something better is a yeah. really good way of looking at it. Just, yeah. Well, thank you. And I feel like that's what's going on with Natasha. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's red in my ledger and I want to clear it out. Is It's a, it's a great cool line and it, and it, and it works, but I also just feel like she's not literally doing accounting. She's not like yeah. I have done 87 awful things and I want to do 87 good things. Cosmic scales, you know, balance. I think she's really just like, I want to keep moving forward, making, good choice after a good choice and it is not about this cosmic scale it's about you know it's not like you do one bad thing and all uh all bad or one good thing and all bad things are forgiven right. and you do the exact amount of good things that you did bad things it's, it's not really right. about forgiveness it is about agency right of, yeah i get to go forward and make the choices that i want to make and i want them to be better choices mm-hmm. yeah uh i thought that was uh was great uh and i really liked also that you know, Taskmaster is this great symbol. Like, you can look at it as, like, it's a plot twist and a surprise. But, like, this person who has, a, you know, Taskmaster's face is a skull. <laughs> has literally turned his own daughter into this, the symbol of death. And the way that uh, Natasha defeats her, in quotes, is by doing a move that she, that Taskmaster doesn't expect because it's not about combat. She does that flip to get on her wrist so she can hit the buttons to open the mask mm-hmm. and it is like it, it, that's why she can get past i think taskmaster's defenses because it's not one of her standard black widow attack moves it is let me remove this symbolic image of death that was placed upon you so you're you're open and authentic and the possibility for change is there yeah it's just like uh, it's pretty cool for a little action move yeah absolutely um, let's talk about action moments. Nice segue. Yeah. So did you have some, uh, some favorite action moments? Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
I mean, I just need to first there. Okay. So many, but, um, when, um, Natasha and Yelena are first attacked by the other widows. Yeah. Um, so first of all, just giant scene of all women fighting. I admit I had that moment of like, is this what it is? What it's like? Like you just see all these people and you're like, I could be any of those. I could like, I, uh. it was such a moment of just even, I mean, I, I know these things and, um, you know, we're doing much better on representation, but that moment of having it be all of these women fighting in different ways, heading, for, you know, about to head for the rooftops, um, different approaches was just uh, like it, it blew my mind a little bit of just like that. I, that is literally what I sat there thinking was is this what it's like that's for you? so great <laughs> that's so great to hear yeah and, and it is and it's not fair it's, yeah it, that you know <laughs> it isn't it isn't you know? and like uh, the the closest i can get to uh, attempting to have empathy because it's not my experience is like i got to pick out luke skywalker because he looked the most like me i got to obsess over dale cooper because out of all the other men in twin peaks he was the one like me yeah and that that not have having <laughs> getting the opportunity to go which one is closest to me so i feel not just represented in sort of like basic physical ways but like emotional ways and this is an idea of what i could be like like yeah absolutely i'm so glad to hear that yeah it w- it was really powerful yeah um really really powerful um so i just want want to give that a moment uh and then in terms of actual so <laughs> One of my absolute just favorite scenes, and I so I will also just throw out there, I'm a big fan of uh, Black Widow fights in mm-hmm. general. I I love the way she fights. No surprise uh, to anybody who has listened and hears that I can't kinetic and dance kinetic, early. and I can't go through a content uh, <laughs> podcast without talking about movement. Um, so so I loved it, and then getting to see as you were saying earlier, you know, she's come out of the red room where they're all trained this way. They're going through ballet. They're all being trained similarly. So they're all moving in. They all have this very kinetic full body movement. Yeah. Um. So it was just really fun to yeah. watch that. Like you could, to me, I could feel it viscerally yeah. on a kinetic level. So yeah. I, I just loved that big picture. Um. Out of that first scene, there's a, there's a scene where um, Natasha and Elena, jump out a window or something and they slide down a roof yes. together is one of my favorite moments period of the film it, just that slide of I, them moving together in synchrony the like we're here we're fighting we're running the joy the pure movement the needing to get out of there it's like everything is captured just in that movement right there yeah yeah if like if if some of the themes of the film are about finding family finding connection being able to move forward and like finding agency you finding agency (laughs) and like this is it this is a brutal scary action scene and it's also two sisters sliding down a rooftop yeah right right (laughs) and it's so like it's so spy so espionage let's slide over the rooftops so beautiful it is and i i love a good spy movie but it also does have that moment you know when you it kind of harkens back to the back in the playground or in the backyard, you know, by their little playset, yeah. doing the bridges in their backyard uh, of them doing something together. So I feel like it just does encapsulate many moments of the film. So I absolutely loved that. Um, very happy to see that Heidi Moneymaker was here yet again as one of the stunt doubles for 
uh, Scarlett Johansson. She has been a longtime stunt double, and I have just, for whatever reason, really enjoyed tracking that she continues to be in all these films. So I was very happy to see that she was still in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start with that and let you take a turn. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to comment on, because you had brought it up, I really did. It's the one that I saw the most of in the trailers, but I really did like the fight, initial fight between Natasha and Yelena. Mm-hmm. Of, because it is about that, like, what we all have the same training, but what has the other picked up that the other might not know along the way? Natasha's got an advantage there of having fought with lots of different people and not just having the Red Room training, but mm-hmm. other experiences and tools. Uh, but still that fight was like, it's this brutal knockdown fight, but it's also like they're playing extremely violent chess. Like they know all the moves and the counter moves. And is there any way that one of them is going to come up with a move that the other doesn't know? Or are they going to end up like they did throttling one another with a curtain in this like really violent double checkmate? Yeah. And that is, it's just cool when the action like looks awesome, flowing kinetic, but also just like has that uh, world building dynamic in it where you can think through like, this is the these are the experiences that they've had that they would fight like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really like that. Uh, a couple of the other ones I like is just moments of like escalation where you think like, oh, it's this kind of fight. Um, that chase scene yeah. uh, where it's the motorbike and it's the funny uh, banter and then it's the car. That great move uh, where it's a great comedy line where Elena's like, "What's the plan?" You know, superhero Avenger, and she's like, "I was." driving away from them <laughs> and then elena does that great move where she smashes the door off the car so it hits under the bike of the person following him but the the thing that i was moving towards is i don't think i've ever i haven't seen the fast and furious movie so maybe this happens to everyone i don't think i've ever seen a car crash in such a way that it just gets thrown down into a subway i loved that the me too that was so great yeah maybe that happens in every fast and furious movie i'll, I'll get caught up there um but then one of the other ones is i, I love elena causing the earthquake mm. um we haven't talked a lot about just like actors obviously i thought david harbour was hilarious uh, rachel weiss is always great uh florence Pugh is really amazing but i thought what she brought to that character is that that sense of somebody who feels like um in, in a it's a very spy movie thing of like yeah i am not long for this world that's not i'm i was built to be disposable that mm-hmm. has that wiring and it's kind of pushing against it by kind of trying to have a thrill, mm-hmm. you know, have having a sense of humor and finding things to find little moments of joy in. And like, yeah, in that, in her thrill at having started in avalanche. Yeah. And like, ah, in that, that through line of this would be a good way to die. And then the great joke of like, this is not a fun way to die. Right. But I just really liked the escalation of like, cool rocket. Got it. Was not expecting the avalanche. Yeah. And I love that escalation and kind of how it reflected her character. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah. Another one that I really liked is one that you had brought up earlier um, with Taskmaster. Uh, and I really liked it in a different way. It's when Taskmaster um, first attacks Natasha on the bridge and they're doing having the fight. And Natasha is learning, uh, Black Widow is learning that, you know, her movements are getting mimicked. And just that that feeling of a totally different approach to a fight. And um the mirroring and almost like a way of, uh, you know, totally taking away her agency, like mm-hmm. the opposite of what we've been talking about. And almost of bull, it's almost like, it almost felt like bullying of that, of like, what, you're going to step to the left? I'm going to step to the left. You're going to step to the right? I'm going to step to the right. You're going to flip? I'm going to do a cool flip. 
So I, I really loved that. But then I also loved the use of the shield, both in that fight and throughout, and that um, Black Widow, being Black Widow and used to fighting around people with shields and used to using their shields, knows how to fight with a shield, use a shield, use a shield against the person that is trying to use it. Yeah, so I just loved that through line of her other fights um, that she's been part of in in other scenes and other movies and how that was brought in throughout this entire film. Yeah, I was really thinking of that too, of like, Natasha knows her way around a shield. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I really loved uh, everything with Taskmaster. That is just one of those great, like, just nerd fun things of like, okay, Bo, obviously Hawkeye, you know, shield cap, but like in the, these scenes where, where red guardian is basically just allowing himself to be pummeled <laughs> by taskmaster mm-hmm. to buy time seeing taskmaster. You're like, Oh, uh, now I'm kicking your ass as black Panther. Now I'm kicking your ass as winter soldier. And like, just being able to see those beats, you know, really, I would have taken even a little bit more, but it really, it, it was fun to see those fighting styles translated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think the last one for me that uh, it, it was not as much of a fun one, I think, but a, one that I think is thematically important to what we were talking about, to that idea of uh, translating. What is what is the message of that? Um, let your pain make you stronger. I think part of the reason that I was kind of thematically coming at that is I think that's a little bit about fear of like not being not letting fear hold you back. Mm. And I think I really felt that in the action move where the scene where uh, Natasha is playing Drake off and she does it successfully to get his plan and, you know, find out all the information and she's goading him into hitting her and it's not working. And Mm -hmm. that moment where she just slams her head on the desk is like, you know, it's visceral. (laughs) Uh, It's not totally real world, but it's still, you know, visceral, Uh, extra visceral when she uh, straightens her nose but it, I like that action moment as a, a action that really pays off that thematic statement of like, I am not afraid of pain and I will cause pain to myself to accomplish my goals, to be relentless, to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. You think that you inflicting pain on me is going to stop me. It's my pain and I'll choose. It, it, you know, I know that's a very complicated conversation. But I feel like to me, that's what I felt like was at work was like Black Widow being like, you think I'm going to pause for a second over a broken nose? You couldn't do it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it's a, a meaningful action moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point. Yeah. Any other mm-hmm. uh, thrilling action moments you wanted to shout out? Um. I mean, I, I did enjoy... Actually, yes, right after that. So when all the other widows are attacking her, um, I did really find that fascinating and <laughs> viscerally hard to watch. <laughs> um, but just kind of all of that. But where it comes... How it pl- comes into the um, storytelling of the plot and where her past, her future, their future, everything that's going on, I just... I really felt like the we needed to get to that moment. So I was not happy to watch it, but I was happy it was there. Yeah, and then it's such a relief when that red dust bomb goes off, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then to moments of uh, comedy and whimsy and fun because yeah. this is a, a 
very serious movie on some levels, a very visceral movie, uh, but a ton of comedy. So any specific moments or jokes that jump out at you? I, I know I'm not asking you to have a, <laughs> a list of like, yes, <laughs> here, here are them all. But uh, Oh, I mean, there, there, there are so many. The, you've already mentioned one of them, which is the one about the what's your plan. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, with Yelena in the car is absolutely one of them. And the ongoing thread of this is a cool way to die. This is not a cool way to die. I just, that, I loved all of those. Um, there will be more. Yeah. Well, well, I think about them, I'll let you share some. Well, I want to, I'm going to ask you about one. Yeah. The pose thing is, is just clearly oh. very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a very sibling thing of like, what do you <laughs> do? I've seen you on, you know, and footage. Why do you do that? Why do you do the, the flip up? And then Yelena, her, just the physical comedy of her imitating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Yelena herself kind of accidentally doing it and shaking it off, uh, seeing Natasha do it again. So it's got great uh, joke evolution. But I, f- this is another moment where I feel like it's really successfully meta, which doesn't feel like it's breaking the world of like, that's become a superhero trope. The superhero landing with the look up to camera of like, if I landed that cool, imagine how cool it's going to be when I kick your ass. Uh, so Yelena's kind of calling it out, uh, as it literally saying, you're being a poser. It's just a pose. What does that have to do with fighting? But then as the movie goes on, it's almost like it's about intimidation. And that's part of the way that Natasha fights. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about all that? Cause there is just some kind of like, um, uh, uh, perception stuff of like acrobatic, cool girl, you know, kind of stuff going oh, on with it. Totally. I loved it absolutely loved it i loved the just calling it out in general the just taking a moment to look at a thing because it you know it, it's one of those things of like we all get used to it but also when you stop and think about it, it's like yeah uh-huh but then i also loved that one of the times when so elena mimicked it which was funny but i also love that one of the times when she landed i think she was coming out of one of the air shoots or something yeah. i my interpretation was that she kind of did it, but not entirely intentionally. And that it was more like, it just happened. And then she's like, oh, yeah. And kind of got the, (laughs) like, this is, it's like when you, you know, first do like a certain kind of strut or something. You're like, oh, yeah, this, I'm just going to make fun of you for this. But then you do it for real. Like, oh, yeah, this is actually like, (laughs) I this is fun and I've got power. And like, imagine that with fighting. I I love that evolution and I love where it gets to of feeling like it does actually have a purpose. And like you were just saying, absolutely Black Widow, a lot of it is about um, how she's being seen and viewed by others. And certainly at this point, you know, she's known as Black Widow. People know that she's a fighter. They know to be, you know, scared if she's going to come up to swing around their neck or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> but at the same time, um, how we were introduced to her in Iron Man 2 and one would imagine a lot of her time as a spy was that part of her um, approach was she doesn't come across as you don't expect her to fight. So it's the unexpected. So then when she suddenly does fight, it's that um, that change of perception and also that like that stare and look of like, oh, no. (laughs) And I feel like that pose is one of the things that gives that. It, 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 you have the the um you know the fright just automatically put into you yeah it's a, it, i think intimidating your enemy right of like yeah. did you realize this is who you're dealing with 
Uh-huh. Think about it for the half second before I've got you on the ground because it's coming. Like, yeah. You know what else I think I really enjoyed about it, which I hadn't thought about until you you and I were talking about it, is uh, MCU movies do go to this specific well of humor a lot where it'll take something that's kind of like bold and heroic and have this sort of playful, really human, really realistic undercutting. And that comes from the comics, from the original comics. That That's what was so revolutionary about Marvel Comics of like, they are heroes. They are gods, uh, but they also wrestle with paying the rent in their laundry. And there's always day to day stuff going on in the background. They want to get home to watch certain television shows. There's always been a humanity to the characters. So they've had this humor a lot where they've really gotten a lot of humor out of undercutting macho heroic posturing, like all the back and forth between Thor and Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to me that was like it was fun to see like that was yet another moment of of uh, equity, equality of look, the the bat we make fun of the badass macho things. We can also poke fun at the badass, you know, uh, feminine, you mm-hmm. know, things of the, the superhero landing that Black Widow does with the hair flip, you know, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Awesome. Um, a couple other uh, for me, uh, uh, when Yelena is talking about the Avengers being different in that line of, I doubt a god from space has to take an ibuprofen after every fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a very funny line. Uh, the vest through line, Yelena being really uh, excited about it. And then um, that is the vest that uh, that she is wearing, that Natasha is wearing in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So there's a real emotional connection there. But it starts as just like, nice vest. Okay, it's got lots of pockets. Pockets. <laughs> the pockets thing is really, really fun. Um, there's so much going on in that dinner scene. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like, you pointed out the stop slouching. <laughs> uh, I liked the Natasha being the on-task, relentless one. Uh, and I really liked that moment where Natasha got mad and said, everyone shut up. And then there was that great sub joke <laughs> of Elena said, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, a small one for me. Um, one other one, big one for me, huge, absolutely loved it. Uh, Natasha watching Moonraker. That <laughs> was yet another right? just like, remember, like, yes, she is. She is this wonderfully over the top. This is an over the top fantasy world where the physics are fantastic. <laughs> you know, the magic is fantastic and the characters are relatable. Mm-hmm. And this idea of like, well, I'm all set. I am uh, on my own. I'm alone. I'm going to watch Moonraker. So like it works great because this is so like this movie is hers. It's in her espionage world. It's it's an espionage movie as well as a comic book explosive movie. Uh, but then she does this really human thing of watching an espionage movie. But then the utter fun that it's Moonraker, the most bonkers <laughs> James Bond movie, in my opinion. And that great human touch that this is like a weird comfort film for Natasha because she knows the lines and she's saying it with it. I loved it so much. Right. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I'd forgotten about it and I loved it so much in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. One of the very best. Um, Final thing for me, uh, almost everything that Red Guardian said, you know, was a successful joke. Uh, Some, I think, just kind of fun. Some with like great depth, some with some like familiarity of like been there, done that as a joke, but it still works. Mm -hmm. He he is yet another in the in the Marvel mold, you know, uh, a guy who is really full of himself and really wants to be 
big ego, right? The big ego joke uh, has been played a lot, and, and I thought it was still successful. But one of the things that made me laugh the most is that weird, dark comedy of being so proud of his girls. Like, you are the best child assassin ever. <laughs> and then building to that moment where he's holding both of their hands and said, you've both killed so many people. It's really dark and really funny, but it, it made me laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So those are a couple of my other comedy moments. Anything else uh, for you? Not, not that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah. There, were, there were many. I'm sure I'm forgetting ones that I'll think of later. Did you like Red Guardian's humor in general? Did it work th- for you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, any other moments in general that you wanted to discuss as we wrap up here? Um, yeah, actually, two that I... One, just since you brought up Red Guardian, um, I do I do love that both when he was given the action figure of himself, both how much he was like, oh, yay. Like he was so living with the idea of who he had been. Yeah. And also that his girls knew that. So they knew he would be uh, so excited to play with this um, action figure that it as long as they had the head like loosely thought that that was a good way to get the earpiece to him and i just loved both that combination of family like knowing him as family members uh even though it had been a long time and also the humor um of him and what we had seen of him so far and just that like trying to have his glory days uh, have never ended yeah and just this like yes i can live in my glory days with this piece of plastic oh look they're gonna save me this way (laughs) so i absolutely loved that yeah and the more i think about it i really like it as he is this great example of the sort of the dark side of fame where it's just all about ego Mm -hmm. and being seen and being adored and being admired and like that is the natasha has to be reminded by yelena like that's a part of your whole avenger thing that people see you and admire you and that's natasha's just thinking about what she wants to accomplish right so it's this yeah. really like for her fame is a byproduct of getting to do right mm-hmm. and for uh poor uh alexi red guardian there he's not thinking about what's right he just wants the fame yeah and for some reason living here in hollywood <laughs> those differences in approach to the nature of fame it's a byproduct for what i truly want to do versus it is what i want mm-hmm. and i will do other things to get it that's a, it's powerful. Yeah, resonates a little, huh? <laughs> it resonates a little. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, just this is just a tiny moment, but I really liked it is um it, it was at some point in the apartment after the fight um between the two sisters when um Natasha was changing her shirt and her back was to Yelena and Yelena could see all of the bruises. And there is just a moment uh, I felt that she was taking and, and I mean, Yelena does similar things like I'm sure th- that they've all been there, but just kind of that to me, it almost felt like a moment of a reminder that, OK, my sister is an Avenger, but she's still human. Look at all of this that she's just been through. None of these are the bruises from our fight just now. These are the bruises she already had before our fight. And just that moment of kind of humanity and connection between the two of them. And I thought it just was a beautiful moment of showing that i absolutely love that i think that is spot on and i I think another moment kind of like that it's not really it's not really pulled out this is me adding what we know uh but that moment where red guardian is asking like so did he talk about me did captain america (laughs) talk about me and you know she has that great response of like 
that's what you're asking me. You're not asking me about me. Uh, but also just thinking of it, this is where I'm just kind of filling in uh, from what we know. Everybody talking to her about Captain America. And to her, like, he's not Captain America. He's dorky-ass Steve Rogers, right? <laughs> she knows Steve. You know, she knows that that good guy with the heart of gold who is, has a list of things he needs to learn off the internet. Like, she doesn't know the poster. She knows the guy. Right. And that's yet another sort of good, like, and, and that you, uh, the, yeah. the bruise has really reminded me of, like, everybody keeps treating like, you're an Avenger. You're above us. Like, oh, no, you're mortal and human and you are making these choices. Yeah. Yeah. That And that is such a good point. Yeah. Uh, absolutely great stuff. Uh, that post credit scene then. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I, I thought it was great and moving and uh, I'm looking for other words, uh, but I will uh, discover them later. It was <laughs> uh, moving and appropriate. There, I'll try appropriate to see her grave. Yeah. And uh, I think that is one of the uh, rightful um, discussions around Endgame mm-hmm. that there that she makes this big sacrifice. Um, and I think that sacrifice for me is made much better by this film. Yeah. Of, you know, we get to see so much of her life and her world that is on her mind of like, I will do anything to bring the world back, you know, and, and how many widows turned to dust, how many of her family members turned to dust, you know, it, it expands it so much. And I, I think it makes the, her, her, her uh her choice her active choice on Vormir more powerful what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah I think I feel like we were talking uh last night without microphones on um and you did bring up the very good point of you know how many of her family turned to dust how does this kind of change when we saw her um I don't know if desperation is the right word but it's the word that I have in my tongue right now so it's the one I'll use to bring people back to find a way um, and I feel like that's such a good point because now she does have these two families and, you know, we're all of them dusted. Some of them dusted, you know, like good point just now of how many of the widows were dusted and um, really needing to bring them back. And I love this conversation that we've been having and the, the film really calls out about choice and agency. And I feel like it just underlines even more how much it is her choice. Um on Vormir. Yes. And for so many reasons that we knew at the time and for so many more reasons that we've learned since then and for so many other reasons that we don't know. Yeah. You know, she's a complex character and we've only seen part of it. Um, but I but I feel like it is it is so much her both thanking um Hawkeye for being the one to be willing to take a chance on her. Yeah. And give her a choice. Yeah. And then also not giving him a choice in this instance. (laughs) Um, And, you know, but really having it be like, you gave me a choice. Let me finish that choice. Right. And he's in this dark place because he went into this murderous rampage as as Ronan. And I think there is a little bit of that. When I had been off murdering, you gave me a chance to make better choices. I think that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to do it. But it's not, uh, I think this film is so great at making it. It's not all about Hawkeye, you know, like. Right. She's not like, the world needs Hawkeye, so I'm the one who has to go. There's so much more going on for her, right? Oh, yeah. She's and the I one who never faltered. Way. She's the one who never uh, stopped 
leading the Avengers. They've got that line about family. I have no idea with the what the canon is, what with what happened to uh, her Ohio family. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's there's already interviews with the uh, writers, and maybe Kevin Feige already shared a timeline. I really don't know at this recording. So as of right now, it makes sense to me the way she says in Endgame of like, I, I, I for so long I didn't have a family, and then the Avengers was my family. There's something in that that makes me feel like this family she just reconnected with, the Ohio family got dusted in the snap and that makes it even more powerful that she is she just never falters of like i will do anything to set this right because that's the path i've chosen is mm-hmm. to save people and to help people and i will do anything to set this right yeah and i want to yeah and hawkeye is only a small part of that yeah yeah no i agree and and i feel like that was set up very clearly in the film but this adds so much more depth to it yeah i, I agree with that i always yeah. want to be sensitive sorry. to people who feel you, you there's nothing for you to be sorry about i just don't want to be like here's my opinion and it is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, I want to be sensitive to people interpreting that differently yeah uh, but i but i tend to agree with you that it was set up that way in endgame but this made it even better yeah yes yes because i mean and it was a lot about that so yes i'll it's great to have many different <laughs> opinions. Um, and if I could just say one other thing about that, because it reminded me of another moment that I really liked. Yeah, please. Um, and we didn't even talk about the fight scene um, with the parachutes and everything jumping off the yeah, thing. Yeah. Because so much to talk about. But that moment when she, when um, Natasha is holding on to her sister that she's put the parachute on, but she sees, um, um, I'm, I'm blanking on Antonia uh, coming. And so let's go of her so that she so again like in a way at that point making the same choice but just purely to save her sister right like i will take this mm-hmm. i want to take this yep. i i got business to finish with antonia yeah not you yeah and i'm not you're not getting involved this time yeah yeah so uh yeah i wanted to take a little uh a yes, tour sorry. into the no no Bring sorry us back to the ending no no yeah. no i got us distracted because i wanted to address the the voramir connection yes. so to bring it back to She's passed. She has a grave. Um, End game, you know, had had the Avengers mourning her mm-hmm. mid film and then the massive funeral for Tony Stark, which uh, understandably, if you're a big Black Widow fan, is like uh, anything. <laughs> uh, and, I, and for me, this was just really nice to just to see the mark that she existed, the mark that she's, you know, and to see that uh, was it sister, daughter, Avenger. Mm-hmm, I believe so. Really, and really she's powerful. in Ohio. And she's in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, by a tree the way her mother's grave was described. Yeah. But in, in Ohio where, yeah, yeah, she had a real family. Yeah. So, I, b- I believe she it showed something about Ohio, right? I, I assume. Well, because uh, the uh, Madame Hydra character, the uh, oh, right. uh, she says that she's allergic to the Midwest, right? Yeah. So uh, yes. I interpreted I that as Ohio yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what I wanted to ask you about is just in general, did, did you like that the that moment of respect for her passing? Just that part of it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I think I was a little, you know, I was a little um, surprised that that is where it went. Uh, but it, but I think it was perfect because because I think in some ways it would be very, um, it could be a little odd to finish the entire film, have this great celebration of black widow that many of us have been wanting for a very long time and to be like yeah yay 
okay. Except like to not even address that that's what's happened. Um, so I feel like this was a really nice way to tie this film with where the MCU is mm-hmm. um, in timeline in terms of other movies that have come out. And then also, you know, the, the great thing that they often do with these um, post-credit scenes of setting up something for the future. Right. You know, so I feel like it, it tied all that really well together. And, and yeah, I, I thought it was very effective and a excellent choice. I really liked it. Yeah. And it, it got a great woo in the theater. And this is just a part of what these films are, is they are uh, chapters in a massive story. And a part of it is teeing up the, the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is going to be the Hawkeye show. Uh, so it looks like it uh, feels like in that show, maybe uh, Elena will be uh, having a, a misunderstanding <laughs> <laughs> about Natasha's passing. Are yeah. you looking forward to that? Or were you successfully teased like you're excited for that or? Oh, yeah, like- absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited to f- figure out how that um, uh, misunderstanding gets clarified. Yes, I'm. I'm excited to see it uh, get clarified. I think there's going to be some some kicking and some flipping. I think there is. I'm looking forward to that too. Did you like the um the jump to the her her tombstone at the end? I really, really did because I feel like it would have been awkward to not acknowledge it. Yeah, and I feel like it made it so the movie was about this important chapter in her life, where she really got to resolve some things for herself. And recommit herself to the path that made her a leader, that made her be on the path that she wanted to be. And through all of the horrible events of of the snap in the five years that she lived through, that it felt like this movie was showing us like this is how she got headed in the direction that led her to make that choice that she wanted to make mm-hmm. on Vormir. So it felt right to me. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. In, in that way. And I just and I just really did like to see the like that's it's why we have tombstones or urns or anything in, in the real world is that. That commemoration and that opportunity for for those of us who are still here to connect and relate in the fact that there was that such a powerful funeral for Tony Stark, like it made sense. It worked. And I love to see this sort of quieter spy version for Natasha. It just felt really um, appropriate to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that one might be one that people feel strongly about. And I understand. I always like to ask, what did a movie make you want to do? Like when we walked out of that film, if you could have done anything, like what did you want to do? Did you want to go running and, and do a flip? <laughs> did you want to drive a car through a subway? What did you, what did it make you want to do? <laughs> Um, honestly, I think even though a lot of those things, uh, yeah, and I often feel that way after I have seen other MCU movies or a a good Black Widow fight, um, has made me want to like, go get my flexibility back or something like that. (laughs) But honestly, I think it, it made me, um, contemplative and thinking about the, um, the choices uh, that people have or don't have and what action they take with that. And also, um, I was, I was just really struck, um, by the end, this wasn't an action thing, I guess, but just really thinking about ways, whether, I mean, 
not, not in movies because that's not what I do in uh, professional life, but kind of that feeling of how strong that feeling of representation was, like how to keep passing that along in other ways and just keep helping make the world a better place for everybody where everybody feels like they belong. Oh, that's great. So that that is powerful. Uh, the, the, yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I think I I was a really interesting mix of things. Like I had just the visceral like I saw a movie and it was thrilling and funny and like a little bit of that little kid of like uh, I want to drive fast or I want to run fast or like I want to do something cool and you know I want to ride my bike real fast like <laughs> it just it gave me those kind of uh visceral good feelings uh it did get in my head and go like okay you're lucky to have uh your agency what you doing with it buddy <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely did that and then the other thing it just really made me want to do is like it was really great to see it on the big screen but like there were laughs and there were lines that I missed or lines that were mixed weird or it was interrupted by a snort man behind us. So I also had that like, you know what? One of the ways I want to use my free will is to make a cocktail and watch this at home <laughs> <laughs> and pause and rewind and, you know, really appreciate nuances. It was definitely a film. Sometimes I see a movie as like that was an amazing ride, but a part of the power was the first time. And I did. Yeah. I, I'm, the first time was great, but this movie felt like really rewatchable. And I really would be like, if they had announced, uh, actually, we're, we're just going to roll it again. If you want to sit down, like I would have tried <laughs> to talk you into it like right away because there's a lot going on in the film. There are a lot of levels and it, I just wanted to experience it again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am also looking forward to watching it again. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I would like you to make a noise to sum up your interest in the film Black Widow. This one is a hard noise. It is a very difficult noise. Okay. Um, Goodness. Okay. (laughs) I always do a noise kind of like that, don't I? Goodness. Hmm. That one was different. Mm -hmm. What was click click? The click click was like the um, I don't know what they're they're called the The batons the batons um, of snapping them together or apart. Oh, nice. And then. Um, taking the fall, whether literally or metaphorically at the end of jumping down or metaphorically of taking the fall of diving into this part of her life, um, this part of Black Widow's life that she was not sure she wanted to dive into. Yes, but she did. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great noise. Do you, uh, let's rate your obsession or both of our obsessions, a scale of one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Do you feel like... Right now, in the in the throes of having seen it, talking about it, where where's your obsession level? Yeah, I would say probably about an eight. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, I would say that uh, I would put myself at like a, a seven. I was just it, it was, and I've seen other people say this. It was everything I expected and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it really hit me and really worked on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, I've I've had a a weird couple of days here where I've uh, finished uh, reading a Star Wars book that we're going to discuss on the Four Center podcast feed. And I've been making my notes about that. And then when I got home from Black Widow, watched the most recent episode of Bad Batch, the Star Wars show, and wrote up all my notes on thoughts on that and did a podcast earlier today about that. And through all of that, uh, Black Widow is what was really kind of kept 
not not that I didn't enjoy all those other things, but Black Widow just kept coming up as like, why don't you think about me some more? Mm, yeah. <laughs> it just kept popping up. Nice. And I think it's going to for a little while. Mm-hmm. In a great way. All right. We have reached the plugging section of the podcast. Uh, would you like to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me um, sometimes on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw and on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that I was just talking about. That is called Force Center. Info on shows, comedy albums, all kind of stuff like that. You can check out on my website at josephscrimshot.com. And you can, of course, support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Uh, There's also this great service that I like to tell people about called Vote Forward. It is a service where you can sign up to write letters to voters uh, to convince them to use their power uh, to get out and vote. There is a big campaign that they are running right now. I'm writing some letters for it. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to their website, which is votefwd.org. All right. Final questions. Okay. If you could grow to a giant size or a tiny size, which would you choose? Uh, today I'm going to choose giant. <laughs> I have no follow-up questions. Uh, all of the answers were in your voice. Uh, very powerful. <laughs> uh, if you were hiding out from the government and alone, what is the first movie you would watch? Oh, wow. I know. Super easy one. Super easy? <laughs> I, yeah, I meant that ironically. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, gosh. Um, so first one, I think I would start with um, Ocean's 8. Wow. Because I feel like, you know, it's, even though it's heist, not uh, not espionage, I feel like it'd be like, it can get me in the mood of, okay, if I'm going to be hiding out for a while, I need to be st- thinking strategically. So <laughs> I can fall into like musicals and things like that later, um, documentaries later. But first, let's start with some mood setting. Yeah. Nice. I think that is a great choice. Final question on the podcast is always, what is happiness? Happiness is, uh, gosh, I haven't, have not stumbled on this one. And I'm just, my, my brain's, my brain's going in too many different directions. We've been talking about Black Widow for a while. Well, I, yeah. Happiness is sitting in a movie theater again Mm. after uh, about a year and a half. Yeah, that is a really great answer. Thank you so much for having this discussion. So much fun to dive deep and to hear all your great thoughts. Uh, Thank you all for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. If your birthday rolled around and there was a big package and you opened it up, and inside there was a large vest with many pockets. Would that be a good birthday present? Very exciting.